0: The privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. I'm Adrienne McDonald, and welcome to the Mindset Strategist Podcast. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back. Since it is October and I am surrounded by all things Halloween, I thought we'd talk about fear today. Now... We're not going to spend too much time on the kind of fear that strikes you when you watch Michael Myers. Speaking of which, I did enjoy watching Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger, Poltergeist, and The Exorcist back in the day. Of course, now I'm dating myself, but that's okay. But the movie that scared me the most was the original 1976 Omen movie. My cousin Michelle and I were very young, but we checked the crown of our heads for the mark of the 666, Mark of the Beast, for years after that movie. Although I think probably The Shining was definitely up there as well. Now, fear gets a bad reputation at times, and all fear isn't bad. Fear is designed to keep us safe and alive. And from a physiological standpoint, It's tied to our sympathetic nervous system. When we encounter a situation, a signal travels to the amygdala, which fires off a brain chemical into two regions of the brain. That first region may make us freeze or do that involuntary like scared jump thing. Like if you're in the uh, haunted house and something jumps out and you're like, ah, the second signal is sent to the hypothalamus and triggers the system that is responsible for threat response, fight or flight. Our fear stimuli can do some really interesting things to the body. It can cause heart palpitations. It can decrease our, um, like give us laser vision, increase our blood pressure, increase blood flow to skeletal muscles, increase our trunk temperature. It shuts down our digestive system because so we can use all of our resources to, like, run if we need to. And then the functional connection between the parts of your brain then should assess if the threat is credible. Are you in danger? Now, obviously, if you're watching a movie, you know Michael Myers is not going to jump out of the screen and grab you, or you should. So your parasympathetic nervous system kicks in and says, you know what, we're okay. Let's 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 back everything down right now. And then you might laugh and you move on. Now, if you are in a dark alley alone, or say you're coming in from a late flight like I was, and walking through a very dimly lit parking lot, you'll probably stay on alert until you're in a well lit area or you reassess your surroundings. And all of that is necessary. And it's great when there is a credible threat. And you definitely wanna be able to respond appropriately if a threat arises. Here's a couple of other things to consider though. What do you deem a threat? Now that may seem like an obvious answer to some, but in reality, it's a bit more complicated. For instance, what does the phrase safe space mean to you? What do you think of? Now, I actually don't use the term safe space that much anymore because what my definition of safe space was and what I'm seeing more and more of, they, they don't match up. So I I think that there's value in creating spaces where people can talk and speak freely um, without getting attacked. And that's actually what my my definition of safe space is. When I'm holding space for clients or if I'm doing a workshop or retreat, my definition is this is a judgment and shame-free zone and i'm trying to get to the truth of whatever is and i've heard some really uncomfortable things but something that may feel psychologically uncomfortable is not a threat so i don't i don't consider that a need for a, a safe space per se i think where i struggle is um, and I think that there's situations like if you're in AA or NA or, or, or whatnot, when there's uh, there's a, almost a sacredness to the space, um, which is actually the term that I normally use now. However, if you're in a, what I would consider a public forum or something, and then expecting a quote unquote space, safe space, I, I'm, I'm curious to what that is actually looks like for for people because sometimes i'll see where well this person is here so therefore i don't feel safe but it's a conference or something along those lines so it's a public event and i come from the standpoint that you need to be able to manage your own triggers um because if you cannot, then you're giving someone else agency over you, and that's and what my definition uh, or a lot of what I teach is 100% personal responsibility. So I think that it's worth examining what your definition of that is, because the problem with deeming being psychologically uncomfortable as a threat is that you might not be able to discern when a real physical threat arrives. Because if you keep telling yourself that being psychologically uncomfortable is a credible threat and putting your nervous system on alert, you may dysregulate your nervous system. Now, the other Thing to consider is if you've had a lot of trauma in your background, you may very well have a dysregulated nervous system. And this can look like that this means that you have a reaction that's not really based in current time, you're more likely reacting to past stressors. And this can look like constantly feeling on edge, reactive, there's sleeping issues, digestive issues, attention issues overly sensitive to others' emotions, in other words, hypervigilant. And I know how that feels because I've had a dysregulated nervous system. I had one for years. It took me years to get it under control. Fortunately, there are many different therapeutic techniques to help with regulating nervous system and enabling you to control your responses appropriately, whether that be CBT, DBT, somatic practitioners, nutritionists, acupuncturists, energy practitioners, or a combination of all of the above, more than likely a combination of several of the above. And there's there's other options out there. You have to find what works for you. If you are in an emotionally vulnerable space, consider the amount and type of stimulation that you're exposing yourself to. Again, it is your responsibility to manage Your triggers as best you can. Don't give your agency away. Now, fear can manage in a lot of different ways. We're in an age right now, for various reasons, where a lot of people have a lot more anxiety and overwhelm, and it's driving a lot of people to have a loss of agency. And agency is a term for what allows you to pause and evaluate whenever you face a challenge. It's slowing down your thinking. Psychologists call this metacognition. I love that word, metacognition. Metacognition is the ability to step outside of yourself and assess the quality of your own thinking and feelings. Napa and Rowe said in the book, The Power of Agency, At times, strong emotions can distract and exhaust you, But it's inaccurate, unexamined beliefs that can truly dominate and cloud your better judgment. That's because beliefs, like roadmaps, are referred to constantly to help you direct yourself and move ahead. If they're outdated or distorted, you won't get to where you want to go. And you may be thinking to yourself, why wouldn't I let something go? Why is it so hard to do that? Why would I want to keep beliefs that are not going to move me ahead? Because the beliefs operate in your subconscious mind. And it thinks that those outdated or distorted beliefs are keeping you alive. That's why it's so difficult to slow down your thinking to practice that metacognition. It's a very conscious choice to ask, what am I feeling? Where is this coming from? Why am I thinking this? What meaning am I giving to this? What belief is this tied to? Where did that belief come from? Is it mine? Is it my parents? Is it my grandparents? And unless you learn how to do this, you will remain stuck. You may get up right to the line of making a significant shift. And then suddenly suddenly you're paralyzed with indecision. And indecision, it's its own kind of decision. Now, my mentor calls this the terror barrier. It's that fear of stepping past the point of unknown and uncertainty. Because what if? I maintain that the words, what if, have stopped more people from doing what they really wanted to do than any other thing. Now, whatever fear is driving the what if to you is very personal to you. My what if and your what if could be completely different. And you know the crazy, crazy thing about it? Your subconscious mind will not only take evidence from your past to to reinforce the fear, It will take evidence from others like your parents or your grandparents or your friends and also use that to reinforce the fear. Now, take me for instance. As I said, I spent over 20 years in tech management and I did very well, except I didn't want to do it anymore. And I made a great living and making the decision to take those skills that I had and use them in an entirely different way, was very, very scary. I had responsibilities. I had bills to pay. I had mortgages. Go out on my own? Start a business? What, like, who am I to think that? Where did my head go? You are going to lose everything you have and end up homeless. I swear to you, that is what, (laughs) that is exactly what I thought. You're going to end up homeless. And my subconscious mind was really great at finding evidence. You can't sell. You haven't built a business before. Remember when you were broke. Remember when you didn't have money for food. Remember growing up and not having money or food. And you said you wouldn't let that happen. And then remembering. Remember when daddy lost everything because he had a business that went south. Remember when mother lost her business. That was a nice one. Actually, my father had multiple failed businesses. And the belief was right there that successful people, Businesses are for other people, not for you. Now, the truth of it was, my father was pretty successful at sales. but He was not so great at operations, and he was horrible about asking for help. And my mother wasn't great at sales, was decent at operations, but she was also horrible about asking for help. But I still made the decision And I hired the best person I could find to help me with mindset and the tactical things that I knew I needed help with. And I continue to do so even today because I'm committed to my personal and professional growth. That does not mean, however, that the fear goes away. The terror barrier still comes up and it will always come up depending on some whatever challenge But now the difference is I have a few more rounds of what it feels like being on the other side of it. And that helps reinforce new belief systems. But I had to make a decision. And you have to make a decision. Now whether it's to go for a promotion or start a relationship, leave a relationship, start a business. It doesn't really matter. But I can tell you one thing. Sitting on the indecision line, that's the struggle. That's the struggle line. And the longer you are there, the worse it gets. And the more likely you are not to do anything, but maybe go backwards. And the other thing is, you're never going to have the entire roadmap highlighted in front of you. The universe does not work that way. You get the first step. You make the decision, you take action, and then more steps become apparent as long as you stay open. My father's story is not my story. My mother's story is not my story. And my own past is not my future. Because I've raised my standards and I'm committed not just to the understanding of the universal law principles but living and embodying them as well. And once again, it comes down to trust, self-trust, trust in the process, trust in the universal law principles. So what changes have you been too fearful to commit to? What decisions have you not made? Who has set up camp in your head with their stories? What part of your past is keeping you in fear? and not moving forward. Give some thought to that this week. And I look forward to connecting with you next week. Thanks for listening to the Mindset Strategist podcast. If you'd like more information, check out my website at www.adriannmcdonald.com.